Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. The presenting sponsor of this episode is Wick Realty. W-I-E-C-K, Wick Realty, is invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. I just used the realtors at Wick Realty to buy and sell a house. I fully endorse and recommend them. Go to wickrealty.com. Today's guest is Megan Seymour of Underwood Law Firm. She's the marketing director there. Uh, And there were a couple of reasons I wanted to talk to her. The the first is to discuss advertising and marketing. Those are fields that uh, I'm pretty closely related to, that I come out of. Uh, And so that's always a fun conversation. But, you know, last week we talked poverty and race with Anthony Harris. Those can be pretty tricky subjects to talk about. Well, you know what else is tricky? Religion and politics. That's what we're going to talk about with Megan. And, you know, we were talking before I started recording the interview. She was worried that she wasn't an interesting enough person to warrant a podcast episode. I mean, she had listened to uh, conversations with Bobby Lee or with Ginger Nelson, you know, people who have a little bit of a higher profile than the marketing director at a law firm. But I told her um, that she was wrong. I, I think people from all walks of life have a good story to tell. I think uh, she has a very interesting perspective on the world, and I think listeners of this podcast are going to enjoy this episode. So here is Megan Seymour. Megan Seymour, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate it. I uh, I want to talk to you for a variety of reasons. Um, the the things that I'm familiar with, I I think are well. There's there's a, a broad base of things that I think we could cover uh, in this conversation. So we're just going to start talking about topics and see where we get. Sure. Uh, but to start, tell me where where you work now and sort of how you ended up in this career and in this area. Oh goodness. Okay. So I am currently employed at the Underwood Law Firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am the marketing director, um, run the department solely by myself, which can be challenging, but it's also very rewarding, of course. So I've been here about a year. Um, Prior to that, I worked at the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, and my focus was the School of Pharmacy Marketing. And then before that was the Laura W. Bush Institute for Women's Health. Prior to that, I did some internships um, at the city of Amarillo and their marketing department, and also the WT Enterprise Center. Uh, working with entrepreneurs, that was a great experience. I loved every minute of that. Um, and I even dabbled a little bit at uh, Channel 4 uh, doing commercial uh, production. But I found that wasn't necessarily my strong suit. I, I kind of I like more of the marketing route. Um, so I was actually born in Canyon okay, in the Paladero Hospital. It's no longer a hospital. My parents were from Tulia and Canyon, and so it's just kind of a, a fit that I moved to Amarillo and went to Randall High School, and after that went to West Texas A&M uh, for my advertising and public relations degree, uh, and then eventually for my communications uh, degree, I got my master's there as well. Did you intend to stay in Amarillo after you went to college, or did was that a plan? So... I feel like a lot of high school students always say, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get out of here. And we either, I don't know, we, we maybe we just venture off and figure out that this place isn't so bad after all, and most people end up migrating back. My goal was never actually to leave. My family was here, and so it's all I had ever known. Everywhere I had taken a vacation, there was never any place that I thought, oh, I'd love to live here. I was always ready to go back home. Um, I think the people... Or, or what do that for me. 
Um, so that was never really in my mind to leave. And you, you got, um, you, you studied advertising, PR in college. I have a similar background and there are a lot of different paths you can take. You can end up in uh, working for an agency. You can end up doing freelance kind of stuff. You have sort of taken the corporate path. And so you've worked in healthcare. You work with lawyers now. Why, why go that path? Why, <laughs> why do I'm that? crazy. <laughs> That's why. No, uh, they say that um, the hardest client to have are, are doctors and lawyers, and I've done both of those. You're so. just going to work right down the list yeah, of why not? difficult clients. Why not? Um, Children will be next. <laughs> pets. Gosh. Children and pets, right. You know, I don't know. It's just kind of the way the doors open for me. Um, I'm always striving, always looking for just just growth um, in, in, my, in my career. So I can't answer that because I don't know. It just kind of just happened, truly. Tell me, uh, when, when people think about lawyers and the legal community, right? they don't think about advertising. They don't think about the marketing side of it. And, and in fact, I mean, there, there is some complication related to advertising a law firm or its services. Yes. So talk to me about that. Mm, what there, do you have to deal with? So I, you know, when I worked at Texas Tech, the Health Sciences Center, um, we have, there were certain laws there. So, you know, there's, there's HIPAA, HIPAA requirements and, and things like that that we had to deal with. I wasn't aware uh, until I came to work here that uh, the state bar of Texas actually regulates the advertising that we can do. Um, and it wasn't until, I hope I don't get this wrong, I think the 60s that uh, law firms or lawyers weren't allowed to advertise at all, um, which I had no idea. We have to be very specific about what we put out there because we don't want to to, for a client to think we're creating a client attorney privilege when we're maybe say say we're writing a blog or something like that we have to clearly state on the articles that it's you know you need to contact your individual attorney this is not legal advice they're very very specific about the jargon that's used for example something as simple as saying our lawyers specialize in family law i can't say that because what that means to the State Bar of Texas is that they're specialized in, which means they have a special qualification for that family law practice, and that may not be true. So just the jargon that's used in our advertising is, is scrutinized. But there's still a wide variety of advertising for lawyers. I mean, you can see that maybe a single um, criminal defense lawyer or an accident kind of lawyer who has a very aggressive TV commercial. Right. And then you have other firms like Underwood where it's super understated, mm -hmm. it's subtle, it's a little more stately. And that's just kind of dependent on the characteristics of the firm. It's I mean, the who brand. They are. Yeah, it's just, it's it's your brand of your of your firm. So for Underwood, our brand is, is very, um, like you said, it's stately. It's um, They're not standing out with a sledgehammer or fire behind them or no. explosions or anything like that. <laughs> no. So the, br the brand of our firm is we've been around for 105 years. We're very stable. We're very dependable. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of, you know, the grays and the blues and, you know, that, you know, that you can trust us and um, try to be understated, if you will. And that's kind of the brand. And, and every firm around town has their own um, identity. For Underwood, I think with just the the mesh of the partners. We have one of our partners here. I believe he's 98 years old. Wow. Um, but that doesn't mean that we aren't, you know, up to date in the legal community. I, I think our uh, youngest associate might be 27. Okay. So working within that huge age range, um, we have to have something that kind of encompasses everybody. And um, I, I'm proud of, of the brand Underwood has. Yeah, tell me, let's talk about Underwood because it's yeah. uh, it's probably the oldest it continuous law firm, law firm in Amarillo. Yes. 
Um, and there are a number of large uh, firms here. Mm-hmm. Tell me, like, what sort of role that Underwood plays uh, within that community? I mean, oh goodness, um, I, in my opinion, Underwood has attorneys that have come from all of those different firms, and so it's kind of it's it's a melt it's kind of a melting pot, if you will. And um, we're unique to this area because we have 19 practice areas. So some firms only specialize in a few, and we have so many attorneys that have all these different talents that we cover everything from, uh, like I said, family law to wind energy to just you know basic litigation to immigration. It's it's this huge encompassment, and what's really great is that, for example, um, we had a, a family law case where some. People, I think, were maybe um, disputing over a, a husband and a wife over um, some cattle. And so, to me, like if I was that family law attorney, I would say, oh, a cow's a cow is a cow, but that's apparently not the case. There's different, you know, the coloring can be different, and certain cows are worth, you know, cattle are worth more than others. So, all that that attorney had to do was walk down the hall to our, our agriculture attorney who does that for a living with the, you know, Texas cattle feeders and say, how much does this cost? How much does this cost? Got an answer. He explained to her what the difference and he, we move on. So having all those people doing so many, you know, specializing in so many practice areas is really helpful for our clients. Tell me what a marketing job looks like for a law firm. So, you know, I, <laughs> I don't see a lot of Underwood, you know, TV commercials. Right. Um, which is probably what a lot of people outside advertising might think about when they think about what do advertising people do. So tell me what you do. Sure. So like you said, people probably, when they think of marketing, think of traditional media, which is television, radio, you know, maybe an ad in the, in the newspaper, a billboard on the side of the road. Um, although those are all great and we do, you know, advertise in the paper some, I'm constantly striving to push the firm in a more uh, online focused direction just because I personally feel that's that's the direction that we need to be going to reach the clients that we need to be reaching um, in, in that the demographic categories that we're after. Like if a person needs a lawyer and they don't have a relationship, they're not going to look in a magazine. They're probably going right. to Google it. Right. And so we need to make sure our reviews are, you know, up to date, that people are saying good things about us, that the moment they type us in on Google, we show up right there on the list. You know, our social media presence is strong. So those are my main, fo- you know, my focuses. And also to make sure that our materials that we're providing our clients portray that our brand and the message that we want them t- to know about us. Okay, let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Um, I, I know that you're on the board of the local chapter of the American Advertising Awards, um, yes. and that that's that's something that's coming up. People within the advertising community know about the Addy Awards. Uh, I've submitted stuff for the Addy Awards before. I've won a few, but talk about what that is for people outside of the industry. Sure, I'd love for anybody you know to to know about this so that they could pass along information or even come you don't even have to be in the advertising industry industry to come and experience this event so the american advertising awards is put on by the american advertising federation and it's the amarillo chapter basically what the event is is people all over the panhandle can submit anything from let's see copywriting graphic design work a music video a website a blog let's see, advertisements, um, anything from that traditional media list that I mentioned earlier, you know, the commercials, the billboards, anything like that. Basically, if you've used it to promote something, an invitation, um, inviting people to come to an event, and you want people to 
um, see it and you get recognized for the work that's been done on that, you can enter it into uh, the awards and see if you, if you win a gold or a silver. We fly judges in from across the country to judge the work here in Amarillo. And students are encouraged to submit their work. There's actually a student in a professional category. Um, and so it's great to see the, the work that the WT and AC students put in, and it's great for them to put on their resumes. So like I said, you don't have to be in the industry to do it. I mean, you don't even have to be a member of our club. It's open to anybody. So if there's something even, if you don't even consider yourself a professional, but you've dabbled maybe in some graphic design work to promote something, submit it. Yeah, I was going to say, what you know, yeah. w- without it being, I, I understand um, having participated in it, there's, there's an inside baseball sort of feel and that it's advertising people submitting stuff, advertising people coming to the awards, and it's sort of that peer-based thing. But is, is there a benefit for agencies to submit stuff? I mean, do they get attention from that? Do students get attention from those agencies? How Absolutely. does that work? Absolutely. So say you're a student and you're, you've swept the award show and got three or four golds. The people sitting in that room, you know, they own ad agencies. They, they're in marketing departments. They make hiring decisions. And they may have their eye, you know, on one of those students saying, you know, that's a good student right there. That's some good work. I want them to come work for me. Or, um, or I want to use them as a freelancer. There's uh, great networking opportunities. And just to show, and it also just, you know, you show your peers what you've done all year. It, in our industry, we think of our, our work as, you know, art. And that was kind of the inspiration for having the event be called the art of advertising this year is art doesn't just have to be a sculpture or a painting it can be you know a a, a, a great photograph that ralph duke, duke takes of the amarillo skyline or it could be you know a beautiful graphic design piece can we talk about the the advertising industry sort of as a whole in amarillo uh, you know there are a few um agencies not a ton not a ton um some of the bigger companies may even reach outside of Amarillo to, you know, to hire an agency. I mean, t- talk about uh, maybe some of the, the creativity that you've seen here or some of the people that, oh, that work in the industry. I mean, what are you familiar with? Oh, Amarillo has such, such talented people. We have people um, who are directing movies, who are traveling. Just um, Google Roger Lindley and his mm-hmm. work. Um, look at Wilson Lemieux and his work that he's been doing. Um, so many talent, gra- talented graphic designers, I can't even tell you. So if you're not using someone in Amarillo as your artist or your photographer, you know, or, or even your copywriter, anything that you're using for your business, you're missing out. And if you need help connecting with those people or don't know where to go, reach out to the, the AAF Amarillo and they'll make sure to give you some good recommendations. Um, and that's often the case that you have people like Roger or, or Wilson that, you know, are doing work for local companies. Um, but at the same time, they're balancing that out with stuff they're doing for national companies. I mean, I know mm-hmm. Roger is, is working on documentaries. He's traveling to the Middle East. He's he's doing things for a lot of clients that are outside Amarillo, but then he's also available if, say, Underwood or somebody like that wants him to, to film some stuff. Absolutely. The advertising industry, you know, I, I come from that background, and so I could talk about that all day. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about... Um, some of the, I, I guess, some of your, your personal um, information beyond what you do uh, at Underwood, uh, beyond what you do in the advertising community. As I understand it, you grew up a Jehovah's Witness. So I didn't particularly grow up that way. Um, my family, I'll give you a little backstory. So my mother and my father met in the Jehovah's Witness um, 
congregation from the time that they were babies. And so they grew up together and they ended up, my, my father was six years older, they ended up getting married. Um, and so, of course, both sides of my family were witnesses because I, they met in the church. And so my parents divorced when I was two, and uh, neither of my parents after their divorce um, really remained active, but both sides of my family did. And so along with that, I suppose whenever you're raised in religion and, and you leave it behind, you still have some traits or some characteristics that you carry over and you maybe pass on to your children whether or not you meant to, it's just what you know. Mm -hmm. And so in a way you can say I was, you know, for example, um, my whole, oh gosh, going to elementary school, you, you know, that you used to have to stand up and say the pledge every morning. And I, my mom always told me not to do that. You know, I would stand and I, with all the other kids and I would just stand there. And I remember that I hated the first day of school because all the teachers would say, you know, why are you not, why are you not saying this? And I honestly didn't have an answer for them. All I knew is that my mom told me we don't do that. But then really there was no reason for me not to do that because I wasn't following the religion, but it was just something that she had handed down and taught me. Same with voting. Um, they don't, you know, part participate in voting. And so my mother is, how old is, she's going to love when I'm going to say this, how old she is, 49, and she's never voted a day in her life. Wow. Um, and the reason for that is because of a a need to, like, to keep church and state, like, super separate. Is that is that part of it? Yeah, they, you know, that's just not a focus for them. They, of course, follow the laws, and um, they... They're, you know, not not criminals or anything, but they just, you know, they don't, they're not active in the military. Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of, they, they're just not active in politics. They reserve that uh, for Jehovah, and so they follow him. And It's more uh, of a kingdom mindset, I guess, than a distinguishing country. a country above exactly. another country. They, they would say, we wouldn't pledge our allegiance to you know, the country. Jehovah is who we we serve. And so that's kind of where they, they come from on that. Um, but, you know, I feel it was an interesting way to grow up here in the Panhandle. I There was no one else that I really knew besides a few family members that um, grew up that way. And I'm actually very thankful that my parents didn't actually force, you know, they didn't, I didn't grow up with any religious expectations, just maybe these few lingering trouble witness, you know, kind of quirky things. Kind of just a cultural yeah. type of thing. Like, you know, I didn't have my first birthday until I was six and my mom got with my stepdad and he was like, give this child a birthday. <laughs> you know, my mom was like, oh, I, you know, never thought about it. I never had one. So I didn't think my daughter needed one. And I, I had a fabulous birthday that year and Christmas to follow and, and things like that. And when I tell people that, they're like, you didn't, you poor thing, you didn't have a birthday until you were six. I'm like, yeah, if you don't have it, then you don't miss it. You don't it. know what you're missing. And you don't know. You just don't know. Um, but I have really good birthdays now, so that's good. Um, it was a really interesting way to grow up, but like I said, I'm thankful just because my, my mother and my dad kind of gave me the freedom to decide at that point what I wanted to do and how I, how I wanted to think and believe, and it shaped who I am, and then, of course, how I'm raising my children. So I can say the Pledge of Allegiance if I want to, and, and I vote uh, very regularly. Um, and I also choose to celebrate Christmas, even though I don't identify as a Christian. But I, I have the right to do that, and that's an amazing thing. I want to explore this a little bit, because had you grown up in the faith, you, you would have been practicing a religion, but you still would have been really separate from everybody 
here? I mean, because Jehovah's Witnesses identify as Christian, but evangelical Christians don't always identify them as within the same family, you know. Uh, so, you, so you might have been a little bit separate then. Uh, then choosing to not, you know, live within a, a faith tradition really at all still puts you separate from everybody. I mean, this is yes. a conservative Politically, a, a religiously conservative place. Yeah. So maybe it's easy for me because I've always been that way. Ever since I was young, I've not had to step outside a religion. I just kind of never had one. And so maybe that's why it's it's easy. And it's hard for people to understand because when you live here, one of the things that if you're meeting someone, you know, you know, where do you work? Where you do know, you go to church? Where do you go to church? And, you know, I have to say, I'm not going to lie to anybody about it. And I say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not practicing or something like that. And a lot of it surprises a lot of people because they're not used to hearing that answer and they don't know what to say next. And um, I would just tell them, you know, get to know me. And, you know, I think I would behave just like a normal, you know, a, a Christian would. I just don't have the same beliefs because deep down, I think we all have the same set of morals. Um, and I, I think I'm just as good of a person. Do you do you identify yourself as an agnostic? Do you probably. call yourself atheist? I mean, how there, there's a division between those. Yeah, I would probably say me and my husband are both agnostic, and that's how we're choosing to raise our, our two young boys, um, four and eighteen months. I've we've talked about it a little bit, and I think for kids, what we've decided is we're going to let them kind of experiment with whatever they choose to do. So if they get invited to go to church, we're not going to you know, inhibit that. We're going to let them explore that for themselves because I, I feel like it's a very deeply person. It should be. It should be a deeply personal decision. And I want my children to follow their own path, whatever that may be. So, you know, one of my boys may end up being a pastor one day, and I would be completely fine with that. The, the way that, um, I guess, religion and faith has seeped so far into the culture here, you know, being in the Bible Belt, uh, being in a, a place that is known for conservative politics, where there's a church on every corner, you know, yes. whatever type of church you want to, you want to go to. Um, do you feel like like that part of the culture is is something that has influenced you? I mean, from from not growing up uh, within a, a real faith tradition, just having some of that those vestiges, I guess, in your family. Um, do you do you still feel like I'm an agnostic, but I've got a whole lot of Christian influence on my life just because of where you live? sure that that's I'm sure that I do and I probably don't realize it you know my my best friend in the whole world um is is the most godly woman I know and we're able to have and we're still able to be best friends she's able to accept me and and I and I love her for who she is so I'm sure that there is some of that seeping in through me I mean you know I don't think uh you know Christianity is bad I, I look at them and it just kind of the giving nature of, of some of those religions and how much they do and how much they're they're trying to reach out to people and influence good. Um, so that's pro I've never actually thought about it, but I'm sure that I I do I do I do I am affected. What what misconceptions do people have about agnostics? Oh gosh, are people afraid of you? <laughs> like like you know when when they seem not sure what to say next. You know, what is that? I'm sure that, you know, my, my mother-in-law, when she maybe found out, you know, that we weren't going to raise the boys, you know, in a, in a church setting or something like that. I'm sure that there's, there's fear there just because, you know, 
her, she wants her grandbabies to, you know, go to heaven and, and things like that. Um, so I'm sure there's confusion. Like, how can you not think this way? You know, this is, this is the way, this is the truth. And I say, I say, yes, for you, for you, that is, and, and that's great. But for me, it's a little more than that. There's something else. Um, and I'm not saying that, that what you believe is, is wrong or could never be possible. It's just, honestly, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. My big thing is, and I don't know if I'm ever, if I'm really supposed to understand this grand plan. And for some people that really bothers them. And then for me, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with saying, I'm here. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to love people. I'm going to have a great life. And if I deserve something, you know, on the other side or whatever it is, I, you know, I did the best I can. And I think, I think a lot of people, it, it depends on who they are, but they might be surprised, you know, to hear that. Well, this is a person that doesn't believe in God. Obviously, they are terrible people, or they're off doing crime on the weekends, you know, or, or something like that. But but oh, that you're I'm a person. My, my pajamas on the okay, weekends. Let's yeah, be so, real, okay? You know, <laughs> but but you're working for the community. You're trying sure. to raise your kids with, um, you know, with a, an ethical system that maybe is still influenced by you know your childhood it, um, upbringing, mm-hmm. and and that was a faith influenced upbringing. So you know, there's a lot of intermingling I think yeah. of all those things that's a really it's a really interesting way to think about it I've honestly never sat down and thought how much living in the Bible belt has probably seeped in into my being but I'm sure that there's some influence there would it be easier to live somewhere else of course it would be it would be easier but it wouldn't be Amarillo and my family wouldn't be here and so of course I could pick up and go to you know Washington or Colorado or something and fit right in with all those crazy liberals but I'd miss my family, my great-grandparents that live in Happy, Texas, and Toya, Texas, with El Camino, my favorite restaurant, and Chilorianos, and this is home. I think I belong here, regardless of, you know, my beliefs. People still accept me here because that's what people of Amarillo do. And not just um, religious beliefs, but also political ones. Right. Uh, I get the sense that you're you're not one of the 98% of people in Amarillo who vote Republican. No. So there was this... <laughs> Maybe Randall the, County was a I more have, accurate way to put that. Yeah, but. I have the best story ever. So when I was 18, I lived all the way out by the airport off of uh, Pullman Road. And so that's where my voting precinct or whatever you call it was. And I was 18, and it was uh, it was... The first year voting for Obama, yes, I believe, oh, and Hillary Clinton the, the first time. And uh, I, I drive up. It's in this old barn, and I pull up, and I'm there's tons of cars, and I'm thinking, I'm going to be here all for hours. Well, I pull up, and the line for the Democrats was like one person, and then the rest were all Republicans. And so I stand, you know, in the, the blue line, if you will, and – this cute old lady, she was like, honey, honey, I think you're in the wrong line. I think you're in the wrong line. Come over here. And I, I just had to be like, no, ma'am, I'm not. <laughs> and I voted and I got to go in my car and go right back home. While other people probably were sweating in that barn for two hours. But that was just fun, funny because I was 18 years old and that was my first time voting. And the assumption is that you're just confused. I was just in the wrong line. And she was trying to be so helpful. And I had to tell, I had to break her little heart and say, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. So this fall, in the middle of my regular workload and launching this podcast, uh, my wife and I also sold our home and bought another home. 
And to do that, we used Wick Realty. And that was such a good decision that we made. We, we had tried to do it by ourselves uh, in the past, had sold a couple homes that way, bought a couple of homes. Um, but the real estate market has changed so much. There's, there's so many more things uh, to think about. And uh, I just counted up all the documents that we had to sign that had to be managed by a real estate agent, 52 separate documents that we signed in the process of doing that. I'm so glad that we had a professional uh, company, uh, professional realtors like the ones at WIC to handle this process for us. Um, there are a ton of real estate companies to choose from in Amarillo, but I, I fully recommend WIC uh, for doing this. There, there's just so much to keep track of. And Katie Wick and her agents are invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. So if you're buying a house, if you're selling a house, if you want to build, uh, if you're looking for investment property, talk to Wick Realty, W-I-E-C-K Realty.com, Wick Realty.com, and mention to them that you heard about it on this podcast. Okay, we're back with uh, Megan Seymour. Megan, this is the part of the show that I call eight straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. And your job is just to answer that um, however you would like to, as short so or as long as you want to. Okay. Um, okay, so when uh, Underwood has you know, locations in Amarillo, but also other locations, when, when you talk to people outside Amarillo, um, how do you describe this place? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> people know what Amarillo is when you say, you know the 72-ounce steak? They're like, oh, yeah. Or the Cadillac Ranch? Oh, yeah. And but but what I like to tell people that it's 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 a big small town feel, like we're a bigger city where everybody knows everybody and everybody's business. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. You know, I like going out and knowing I'm probably going to see a few people that I know and just give them a smile and a wave and you know how you doing, doing well, and go about your business. That's kind of nice. You're not yeah. in a big you know Dallas sea of people that you're never going to see again. You know, I always like um, if, if I've been traveling somewhere, coming home to Amarillo and you end up at Love Field or at DFW and the flight you know, to Amarillo, you always know somebody, know somebody on, on there. So my husband and I, we went to Vegas in March, I think, April, something like that. And yeah, the lady that was sitting next to me, we were talking all about people that we, we knew mm-hmm. and she lived in my neighborhood. Yeah, like it's a surprise if there's not somebody on the flight that that you recognize. Um, Okay, what's your favorite local restaurant? You mentioned um, El Camino, not exactly an Amarillo restaurant. So, So, okay, that's my favorite. That's my all-time favorite. But another favorite, so I love Mexican food, and probably because I've grown up in Amarillo, um, eat it all the time. La Fiesta has some sort of childhood memory happiness thing associated with it for me uh, me and my family used to go there at least once a week and i'd get the steak fajitas and i still to this day love their steak fajitas is that your i mean is that your order when you go you yeah i don't order anything you else? know what i don't think i ever have ordered anything else well the other stuff is good too okay good i mean i'm, I'm, I'm once you find me you, you can't go wrong though once you found a good dish oh no absolutely not what does amarillo have too much of Wind. Can you hear it? Yeah, I know. I don't know if you can hear this. We, we're on the 12th floor <laughs> of uh, A&B Plaza 2 building, and it's a day in which a front is blowing in, and there's literally wind whipping against the windows. Uh, it may not come through on the mic, but like we're hearing it constantly yep. as we talk. Wind. Here. That's easy. It may just be 12 stories up. Nobody else is experiencing this. Oh, man. The, uh, what, what does Amarillo not have enough of? 
I have two young boys. I said they were four and 18 months. And I find myself, it's hard to find activities to do with them that aren't, the Discovery Center is great. That's great. You know, there's the Brush with Art. That's great too. Um, and then the parks, but sometimes on days like where it's yucky windy, um, there's not a lot of indoor things to do. I mean, sometimes my husband and I have been like, well, where do you want to take the kids? And like, well, I guess we'll take them to the play place in the mall. Yeah. You know, so I think just activities for our younger kids to do inside would be a great business opportunity. Because Amarillo can be really nice, yeah. but it may be six to eight months out of the year, and it could still be a nice 70-degree day with 30-mile-per-hour winds. Yeah. So. And just ones that have more flexible hours. So, like I said, the Discovery Center is great. But in between nap times, by the time my kiddos get up at 3 o'clock, the Discovery Center closes at 4. And you, by the time you get out there to it, there's really no time to do anything. So I think we could use some more um, things for our smaller kiddos. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? I was probably five at a rodeo. And my mom dressed me up in turquoise, like turquoise cowboy boots that laced all the way up and I think a button-down cowboy shirt and some Wranglers thanks mom yeah so it's, it's more <laughs> of a costume than uh, yeah probably I, yeah at the rodeo so it's been about 25 years pack a sack or toot and totem gosh that's a, okay that's is, like, is one of those an Underwood client so <laughs> maybe we should give some full disclosure before um, that or? okay so that's a really hard one because I have memories as a child associated with both of them so I spent so much of my life in Canyon and of course that's Packsack but then I lived right down the street from a toot and totem growing up too so I'd walk there and get cokes and candies so I think I am impartial because I visit both probably equally okay uh you you mentioned trying to find things to do with your kids what what's your favorite weekend activity around here you know what we end up doing when it's beautiful out? We just hang out in our backyard and the kids run around in their, you know, kiddie pools and their sprinklers. We're pretty basic people and nothing too interesting. I have been known to throw some paints on some canvas and let them get a little crazy. But just when the weather's nice, just walking around Wifflin and just hanging out with you know, all the big mature trees is, is great. Okay, this is not a question I've asked any of my other guests before. Um, but do you have a favorite lawyer joke? So I'm going to have to recuse myself from that question. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know if I could get somebody who works for a law firm okay, okay. sitting in a law firm okay, to I'll actually offer one. one. I'll tell you one. Okay, what's the difference between a lawyer and a herd of buffalo? I don't know. The lawyer charges more. Ah, oh. okay. Do uh, do lawyers <laughs> like lawyer jokes? I mean, is, yes. is there a secret fondness for them? I think they, they do. They tell them to each other when nobody else is listening. Yeah. Um, our president, Alan Rhodes, I think he told one at our High Noon on the Square event this summer, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but he said, how many lawyers does it take to grease a combine? He said, only one if you run it, him through real slow <laughs> so he even made one about about himself so i'm comfortable uh, okay joking okay. about him <laughs> um so that those are the eight straight questions I, I like to close by asking my guests to make a an endorsement of something related to the city something that you want people who are listening to know about amarillo something cool so there are so many things um i've listened to a few other people that you've interviewed and i don't want to repeat anything so i just decided um to and, and she doesn't know i'm going to do this but uh, a very talented photographer here in town that um we've used 
for four or five years. Her name is Tanya Griffin Holloway, and um, she has 374 media, uh, photography, and she does great work. Uh, if you're you know, mama and you want affordable pictures of your kiddos, you can check out my Facebook page and see all of her work or her page, and it's beautiful. We have It kind of goes back to all that untapped talent mm-hmm. here. That's just another example of, of a mom who has four kids who loves taking pictures of people and it is a great artist. So she's going to surprise. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> You're on a podcast now. Yeah. So. Megan Seymour, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. I love I loved doing it. I, if anybody has any questions, I'd, yeah. I'd love to answer them. Send them in. Yeah. Call up Underwood and tell them you have a question related to the podcast. Uh, and they're don't, gonna be, don't do that. They're going to be like, What? <laughs> Just ask for Megan. They'll yeah. transfer Ask you. for Megan. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that concludes another episode of Hey Amarillo. I want to say a special thank you to Megan Seymour for being part of this episode. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. And I especially want to thank uh, the good people at Wick Realty. When I launched this podcast, within a day of the first episode dropping, they contacted me and said, how can we be in- involved with this? Um, They were so excited about the concept. And so they have literally been on board from the beginning. And I really appreciate Wick Realty. So, you know, use them next time you decide to make a life-changing decision like moving. You can find us at Hey Amarillo on Twitter. Look us up on Facebook at Hey Amarillo Podcast. Leave a review. Tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. I'm Jason Boyette. I will see you next week.